The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And with me this week is Chris Blessing, the Director of Prospect Analysis over at Baseball HQ. Uh, Chris, I'll be seeing you shortly here at First Pitch Arizona. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to join me, though. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just taking my break from lunch right uh, for lunch right now uh, outside my office in my car. Beautiful weather. It's it's phenomenal. This is a this is a good day. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you know, I I. I love chatting with you about prospects because, you know, you're, you're a legitimate scout. Like uh, I, I don't consider myself uh, a scout, uh, but I mean, you, you put in the work, uh, you go to the games, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You've, you know, worked closely with uh, longtime evaluators and stuff like that. So uh, really appreciate getting your perspective on uh, a lot of the prospects that, that you get to see each season. Um how long how long have you been going to games minor league games as a talent evaluator uh i was thinking about this question and uh you know i I often say i've been doing it for a decade and uh my first uh interaction with anybody about this was in 2009. Uh, i didn't write my first article until 2010 but on twitter i had befriended a former Fangraphs writer uh, named Mike Newman, who was a prospect uh, um, prospect guy. So, uh, you know, essentially he was the one that taught me what uh, how to do what I do today. Uh, and it's funny too because like he's been out of the game since 2014. Uh, we we just actually reconnected. Uh, we we call each other once or twice a year. I reconnected a few weeks ago, and he was just absolutely amazed that a how many people were doing this in the fantasy world now. And then B that I was still going. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, um, you know, I, I've probably been the longest, uh, well, I, I was talking to Jeff Ponce the other day and, uh, from baseball America. And I think I'm the only fantasy guy that goes to the park anymore now that he's not, uh, not doing it. Uh, so, uh, that he's now a straight baseball America writer, uh, so like I guess I I guess I'm like the dying breed now. I was in the beginning and now I'm dying out. Uh, uh, so hopefully I survive a little longer. There's 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 got to be more. There's more than I mean like Eric Cross goes to games. Uh, Welsh goes to games. Um, yeah, well I, I you know Chris Welsh. Uh, you know Eric Eric does more of an analysis thing really. Um, you know if if anything. So I guess Chris Welsh. Uh, is more on my end. Uh, I, I consider Cross more of a fantasy writer um, that does prospects. He's he's phenomenal. He, he does a great job. Can't wait to see him. Um, you know, but he does get to a few games every so often. Uh, uh, so yeah, I guess I guess he's. I guess we could we could include him. Yeah, you definitely you definitely can't include me though. Uh, I I go to the the games at the at first pitch Arizona, and uh, that's pretty much my my minor league baseball in person for, for the year. Uh, but really looking forward to that this year. Uh, I know Jeff's going to be out there. You'll be there. Uh, going to have a lot of, a lot of great prospect minds out there this year. Um, how many games did you get to this year? Actually, it was a all time low for me. Uh, I have, uh, decided last year to 
concentrate more on getting maybe only one look at a team and then go into the video because the video has gotten so much better. Uh, so I go and get my essentially open side looks on hitters uh, and I'll go for a good pitcher. That, that's pretty much my two things. So like when Bowling Green came to town, I was there three nights because there was three pitchers going for Bowling Green. And we'll talk about one probably later because there there is one that I really liked out of that group. Uh, but uh, I only went to 20 to 25 minor league games this year, uh, which usually I was closer to 40 to 50. So more nights at home. I only did two weekend games. One was on my wife's birthday and one was on our anniversary. Uh, so I'm a great husband there. Uh, <laughs> But, but anyway, like it's, 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 uh, you know, being able to use more technology has been a good thing for me. Um, and it's kept me in, it ke- it's kept me sane, uh, especially this year. My day job has been pretty hectic, so it, it worked out. And then on the prep side, I do some associate scouting and, uh, uh, for an organization. And that's essentially like a bird dog scout. And I, I went to about 10 to 15 games there, uh, and that was a low, low point as well, because I ended up getting the worst stomach flu in March when I had a chance to go see Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson and and uh, Dylan Lesko. Like I, I had it all lined up to see all of those guys and uh, I couldn't leave my house like I, I was I was that badly sick for a little bit. So uh, that definitely cut into my amount of uh, prep looks, too. And that's a brutal timing. Um... Oh, yeah. Worse. <laughs> yeah uh what's so you're I, I mean i know you're down um down in in the south what's your general kind of area of coverage uh like how many how many states are you are you getting to so for the prep coverage i basically handle the north side of atlanta and uh southeast uh tennessee I, i'm located about 25 minutes from the tennessee georgia border uh, off of i-75 in a town called Dalton, Georgia. Uh, for the pro coverage, Chattanooga is a 30-minute drive. It used to be 25 minutes, but of course, you know, traffic, uh, everybody's moving to the south, so uh, traffic's just made that uh, a little longer. And then I'm about 50 minutes from Rome, uh, which is high A. So I get a good mix of high A and double A. Uh, I miss the single A action that I used to get, and of course, there's no rookie ball anymore in the Appalachian League, so I don't make that trip, obviously, uh, anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, high A, double A, still that's that's still a, a real important chunk of of the, yeah. the minor leaguers out there. So that's that's good. Um, so let's get down to some specific players here. Uh, which position player, uh, wh- or who was the best hitter? I guess that you saw all season. I had two guys, and one uh, everybody has been able to see in the major leagues, which was Michael Harris. Uh, I think I got Michael Harris's worst week of his entire season, both minors and pros. Uh, but it was it was the adjustments he was willing to make that, like, and I wrote it for our subscribers at BHQ. Uh, I felt like he was ready to go. Uh, and I'm glad that that, if I made one, I, I never make in-season calls because it's hard when you're covering prospects in person, uh, especially double-A, uh, high-A. Uh, but that was a fairly easy call to make. He he was doing things that a guy in double-A does not do. So that, that means he probably needed to be a major leaguer. Uh, and then a few weeks later, uh, I got a high-A look. And then a few months later, I got a double-A look at Kyle Manzardo from the Rays, uh, first base prospect. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a profile that we uh, kind of poo-poo as a first base prospect because it's not your whole power first uh, profile, but that kid hits everything, doesn't chase, uh, makes uh, above average uh, to good contact almost every swing he takes. Uh, I think I saw one uh, batted ball that w- I wouldn't consider above average or better. And that was a 100, oh, not a 100, 98 mile per hour fastball on, the, on, the, um, on his handle. Uh, from Joe Boyle, who was like one of the most unpredictable pitchers, if you ever get to watch him. Uh, uh, Wild, doesn't know where everything's going, but has premium stuff. And that was the only time I saw him take a bad swing and saw him a lot against a lot of good uh, competition, too. It wasn't 
it wasn't competition that I would have slept on either. So was very impressed, very impressed with uh, his uh, the carry that he gets uh, off the bat with a fairly linear swing. Uh, like he does a really good job adjusting, uh, especially on the fastball in to basically take it uh, out to the uh, right center field, the pull side. He's left handed hitter. Uh, so definitely like the best hitter I saw all year. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of listeners are going to be be pumped to hear that because you know statistically Manzardo is kind of infallible, right? Like he, yeah, he is. I mean, he's awesome. Is he? You know, I I've got him ranked uh, as like a top fifteen prospect for Dynasty. Uh, is that? Can you can you get on board with that? I, I'm at top 25 right now. I just did a preliminary uh, preliminary run through our off-season list that I'm I'm going to submit. Uh, and I had him top 15 as as a rookie next year. You never really know where he's going to be. I had him in my personal top 50. Um, if he was with another organization, I probably would have had him higher. Um, but again, the Rays, it's whatever prospect gets called up is going to be in a weird platoon, most likely. Uh, and who knows how long they're going to be there. They don't necessarily, I think the one uh, thing I would, you know, caution uh, managers about on them is it doesn't necessarily seem their first few times in the major leagues that they really give guys uh, a, a shot. Um, Cause like, it looked like Josh Lowe was coming out of it earlier this year and uh, they sent him down. Like those type of things happen. And I think, uh, obviously the machine works for a reason. And I guess that's, that's kind of, kind of their thinking on it. Uh, get guys looks and stuff, but I just don't see that guy struggling, uh, too much. So if he's given the bats, he could be a, a sleeper rookie, um, pickup. I mean, he seems, he seems sort of a cut above, uh, obviously low was exciting for fantasy because of the, the power and the speed yeah. and, uh, people were really excited about Bruhan's stolen base potential, but Manzardo seems like the best hitter to come through that org since Wander Franco to me. I agree. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. And, uh, and did you, uh, you mentioned like, you know, the Rays are going to platoon a lot of guys. Do you think this is a guy who will need a platoon? Um, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't get one, but like, do you think he, he can just handle uh, same-handed pitching fine uh in my look he did uh again it finding good left-handed pitching on the minor leagues that compare people <laughs> to is uh, is very hard so uh i saw him against uh i think a fairly decent braves prospect uh and when i say fairly decent a guy that at least will get a cup of coffee uh as a you know reliever i can't think of the guy's name right now uh but mostly i saw him against righties uh and against some of those righties uh, especially those guys with the high, uh, you know, the Braves, the Braves organization is a good barometer for hitters uh, because most everybody in that organization is throwing, you know, the high riding fastball, the flat fastball that, you know, guys in the big leagues that come up from the minors tend to struggle with. Uh, I mean, there's major leaguers that struggle with it, but these guys tend to struggle mightily uh, with it because they just don't see it often. And, organizations uh, watching the Rays, for example, they're pitching against uh, prospects and watching um, watching the Braves against different prospects. It's a good barometer. So I think he's a guy that probably will handle both sides of the plate. Uh, when, who knows? I'm never this excited about a first base prospect. So it's, <laughs> it's very, it's very uncharted territory for me. Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, it, it is, it is for me, as well. I mean, like, you know, there were, you had like Torkelson and Andrew Vaughn kind of just, you know, big time pedigree guys, you know, you yeah. weren't going to rank, rank those guys low or anything, but uh, for a first baseman to come from, you know, outside of the top 50 prospects and climb up into the top 20 for me is, is pretty rare. Um, I wanted to from jump the, back. Yeah. What'd you say? I was going to say from Washington state, like, I, I just don't see guys wanting to go to Pullman that are good, you know. Oh, we had a kid. We had a kid here that got drafted by the Rangers in the fifth uh, fifth round this year and, and signed. 
who was, I think it's, uh, oh, was it Chandler Pollard? I'm not 100% sure. But, like, um, like that kid right there was committed to Washington State here in Georgia. And you're like, oh, this guy's not going to be great. And he was, he, like, tools out. So they're doing something right getting these these kids to Washington State. I just, you know, it's kind of a head-scratcher uh, how a talent like Manzardo ended up there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, quickly on Michael Harris, I mean, everyone knows – you know, he's, he's great. Um, he's awesome. But uh, I did want to just get your perspective. I've just been, and I remember the, the 2019 draft when they uh, went, you know, a little bit over slot on a bunch of prep guys in the middle rounds and thinking that that was an interesting strategy and was interested to see how it paid off. But can you kind of help put into perspective just how insane it is that they plucked two prep hitters in that 2019 draft in Harris and Vaughn Grissom. And they gave them, I think a combined 900 grand and to have those two guys up and productive in the big leagues this fast. Like it's just one of the craziest scouting hits I've, I can recall. It's crazy. I, I actually saw Michael Harris as a high school player and uh, as a evaluator, if you told me that this guy was going to be an all-star caliber player as a hitter, I would have told you that you were wrong. Had a lot of bat speed, had good hand-eye coordination, absolutely zero plate discipline whatsoever. Uh, you don't normally see, kid, see kids teach themselves that. Uh, had no clue on spin, taught himself that. Uh, uh, he was a special guy, and uh, I'm not surprised that the Braves scouting department was able to snip him out in, the, in their own backyard. I mean, there were several teams uh, that saw saw him only as a pitcher. Uh, he was uh, through uh, topped out low 90s, uh, uh, good uh, arm side bore on a two seam fastball. Uh, I, I, of course, was one of the people that got to go see him as a pitcher. Uh, but like his swing was ugly, and when he signed in 2019, uh, it was it was it was a very ugly swing, and I I think I kind of poo pooed him uh, pretty good in 2019. Um, but the one thing I couldn't poo poo uh, on him on was that he made contact at a above average to better rate, and then like even though they were line drives, he was killing the ball. Uh, so it was kind of weird. Uh, the Grissom thing, uh, you know, Grissom was. Uh, a a teammate of somebody i can't remember who it was in 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 high school so like people got into him i think i might be getting the wrong guy looking at somebody else watching somebody else and that happens from time to time um but grissom i'll be honest james grissom never impressed me in the minor leagues like to the point that i was like this guy's gonna be a future star but if you go back to my one look last year and my several looks this year, he can see was the most consistent minor league player I've ever seen. Uh, again, above average contact. You know, what we were talking about, Manzardo. Uh, if he hit it softly, it was directed to an area of the field that was hit softly. Uh, he just was like, he's just a one of those guys that across the board has average, above average. Um, holes uh like i wouldn't call anything he does plus but it's the combination of all of that stuff that makes him good uh like it's really i i never got a uh, home to first time that was above above average uh most of my home to first times were were average times i haven't looked at servant to see what his sprint speed was or is now um, I did see some data that like his arms not as strong, and that was maybe the one thing that I kind of, um, you know, kicked him on if that was anything. But like, I was it, it was it was a kid, and we're going to talk about another Braves prospect, Justin Henry Malloy, probably a little later in this. But it's a, it's a similar thing. It's just at least Grissom had a, has a position. Malloy doesn't have a position, but like it's obvious that they've been targeting a certain type. Um, and I would say that something in their model is 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 showing that guys like Harris and guys like Grissom, and then even a college bat like Malloy, are um, are are going to be guys that that will move up the chain and not lose those skills that that they're being drafted. I mean, Malloy's a 
uh, left fielder that hits everything hard, um, uh, above average or better. And like, that's, that's hard to find. I don't know. I mean, he was first base, third base this year, but again, like it's, um, it's a hard thing. If he hits enough power, he's a left fielder, but you look at that Braves lineup, they don't necessarily need the power. Well, yeah, I, I mean, Atlanta's got a really good operation going right now. Uh, I would say they're one of the best run teams in baseball. Um, not surprised. I mean, they've got the, you know, they got the hardware to prove it, but I mean, they just keep producing guys, uh, which was the let's, we can talk about uh, Malloy now, which, which, which an, uh, question was he the answer to? Uh, it was the, the guy that impressed you. Okay, like kind of like su- sort of surprised of you, yeah. Um, yeah, surprised, and I had him tied with uh, uh, Everson Pariah of the Yankees, who I guess I, you know, I hear so many things about guys with double plus power potential, and you're, yeah, honestly, most guys don't impress me that much, and then you go and you see a guy that actually has it, um, and the sort of light tower power, and the and the season he had, uh, being a guy that. Um, you know, it was kind of a free swinger, um, kind of tailing some of that off. And I don't know if that's something about the competition he's facing. Uh, we'll probably get into that a little more uh, later. But, uh, like, you know, I, I thought he was a guy I wasn't going to like. I, I don't like those, uh, you know, free swinging power hitters mostly. Uh, but he was a guy that was so easy to like. And, like, I started my season with him and, like, still is making that impression. Um so that was a surprise. And then, of course, Justin Henry uh, Malloy, um, uh, he was a kid I saw in college. Uh, he goes to, he went to Georgia Tech for a year, but I had seen him at Vanderbilt and just kind of was lost on a good roster, if that makes sense. Um, and looked like first base, third base only, really first base only. Uh, I don't – didn't have the foot, footwork from, for third base, and I think that's the reason why he's in left field now. Um of course, Matt Olson's there, and you know there's there's a greater need for outfielders than first basemen in, in this world of baseball. So, um, you know, there's a role for him. I'm just concerned whether he ends up being on the wrong side of platoon. I think he's a major league player, and I think he's somebody who could produce at the major league level. Um, but my concern with him is, you know, being, you know, kind of pigeonholed into one defensive position. And, and that's why, you know, for a guy who's not been hurt, that's why he's headed to the fall league this year. Um, he's got to learn left field. He didn't play left field mo- mostly uh, when I saw him. I, don't, I think he might have gotten one game in the outfield. Um, but um, since he's been up to double A, he's been an outfielder. And I think he's in triple A now, too. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's rapidly ascended up their chain. How do you project the, the hit tools on uh, Henry Malloy and, and Pereira? Uh, the Malloy, I have him as probably like a 55 hit, um, somebody who could easily hit 270, 275. Um, I think the power will come. The power right now is not there. Uh, but he's he, that that's the one thing. If you look at Grissom and look at him, uh, you know, these are guys that should hit for power based on their physiques. Uh, you know, Grissom is long and lanky, uh, and Malloy is Malloy's not as long as and lanky, but you know, he's a powerful dude. Obviously, he's hitting the ball as hard as he is. Um, uh, Pariah, I, I would probably throw a four hit on him. I think he's like more of a two forty hitter, uh, but still, like if you have that kind of power, and if he continues showing the patience that he showed this year, that's a that's a what do you call it? Um, top, at least a top 150 outfielder, uh, especially if he's hitting those home runs. So, like, uh, you know, you hear, I think a lot of evaluators won't throw fours out in the public sphere because they think that, like, that will, you know, get you off of somebody. But there, there's plenty of four hitters that are, you know, on our fantasy rosters, um, filling, filling specific roles for us. And, and, you know, you're not going to find a power bat that's that's going to be able to produce the type of power that he's going to produce. It all depends on his on-base percentage, or really. Uh, if he uh, reverts back to a more wild swinger, freer swinger, uh, then we might have some problems. But, yeah, I got to see him against good competition again, and he wasn't necessarily getting too fooled 
by breaking pitches. Uh, good breaking pitches, yes, you expect that. But um, most of the power hitters I see in the high A level tend to uh, tend to have more of a struggle uh, with those breaking pitches uh, compared to what he did. What's the speed projection on him? He, he went twenty one for twenty eight on on steals this year. He's a plus. He's a plus runner. Um, I, I think that he's more of a free, freer runner. Um, you know, I, I always forget which which leagues had the experimental bags and all that good stuff. So, uh, from what I saw, he got the one stolen base attempt that I saw. He got caught stealing, and it was probably against a catcher that was one of the better uh, uh, catch throw guys in the league. Um, so it, it's necessarily kind of like maybe not the best jumps right now but a guy that's outrunning the competition as opposed to a guy that is, um, you know, working the competition like Grissom did in the minor leagues. Grissom's right. not the fastest guy, but uh, he, he, it's just incredibly heady player uh, Von Grissom. So like, um, you know, it, it, you either have that headiness or not. Um, I think that's my new, new little philosophy on that. And, and guys that, that have that headiness. Once they lose speed, they're still effective, still uh, base stealers. Um, a guy like Pariah might not be that uh, in that case. Yeah, I did check when you were talking, and Grissom. Yeah, you're right. Fifty uh, ninth percentile sprint speed. Uh, obviously, not the be all end all for for stealing bases, but uh, yeah, I mean, very. He he does. Grissom does sort of strike me as just a guy who has just baseball IQ that's kind of off the charts. Um, so which position player did you see this year who had the best collection of tools? Uh, that's, that's easy. That's uh, uh, Eli De La Cruz uh, of the Reds. It's if you it's saw him, then even... he's the answer. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, uh, I had a rough summer at my day job. Let's just put it that way. I, I'm a property appraiser for an assessor's office. and We changed values this year, and that's never good. Um, and uh, they, it kind of beat me down, I'll be honest. It beats me down every time we do something like that for about 45 days until our notices are done. Um, and that's the key thing. That's what, that's what got me out of my funk um, was De La Cruz. I, like even my day-to-day funk it got me out of uh you know i i enjoyed being at home at five o'clock uh and watching baseball preparing for the podcast or writing an article or whatever i do uh spending time with my wife uh i enjoyed that but everything else was a slog uh, i saw de la cruz uh, life just got flipped upside down uh i have not seen a collection of tools on that level since maybe yasiel puig and i would not put him in puig's uh league uh, and that there's been a lot of good guys that have come through there. Luis Robert uh, uh, came through there with a great collection of tools uh, in Double A. Um, I can't think of it. Think of a guy. Um, the the old timers in Chattanooga. So that that day he hit a 513 uh, foot home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that the only guy that's hit a ball that far in Chattanooga was Adam Dunn. Um, and they even wondered if Dunn could have done that in double A. Uh, and I, I've the, the track track man operator, um, she told me that like, like her eyeballs just exploded out of her eyes when she saw it. <laughs> the media guy texted me, and that I had been at two of the previous three games, and he's like, You had to have been here for this, right? And I was like, No, I took off because it was a, it was a random Thursday, and I was like, and eh, there's nothing, you know, I'll get to see him later on in the year, which I did. And I got to see great dominance and stuff and dynamic play from both sides of the plate. Um, but like uh, speed, it's it's plus to double plus speed. Uh, like he get he's going to be a guy that gets high, uh, high sprint speed. Uh, every scout I talk to, of course, says O'Neill Cruz reminds him of him and stuff. Um, but I mean, this guy's a switch hitter. Uh, Cruz had um, uh, better fundamentals at this age, if that makes sense. Uh, there's some hitchiness in his load uh, from both sides of the plate. His reactions from the right side aren't as great. Um, this guy dominated double A with no pitch recognition skills whatsoever. 
Um, I, I think that's amazing. I would have never thrown him a fastball. I got to see uh, mm-hmm. Cubs prospect Ben Brown face him and just absolutely dominate him. Um, and then the relievers came in and he had four hits. Um, it was an extra inning game. So like uh, he went 0 for 3 and ended the ended the game 4 for 7 um, against lesser competition. Like he's that good. Um, so there, there, that kid's going to have to be in double A next year. Um, cause I think that, uh, but again, you know, I saw Luis Robert that lost, um, in double A like that lost that level of lostness, uh, with breaking pitches, um, to the point that if a ball was coming to him, uh, a scout friend, uh, I think both of ours, uh, said it, it looked like he, um, uh, couldn't even read a fastball coming out at his head. Um, and then the next year he's in the major leagues and, you know, he's had a, I mean, he's had a lot better career as a hitter than I thought he would, to be honest, because uh, I didn't think he had any recognition skills whatsoever. So I think it's, hopefully it's just repetition. De La Cruz just needs to see quality breaking balls uh, more often, but like a guy like Ben Brown just absolutely served him dinner, like the, uh, uh, took his dinner, I should say. Yeah, I, I mean, I got a, I got a Tatis comp on Ellie before the season, um, and seemed kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, little, little over the top. Uh, I mean, I still listened to it. I still factored it into to where I ranked him. But I mean, I think uh, from a power speed standpoint, I think it it absolutely checks out. Um, so yeah, you think you think Ellie heads back to to double A. Uh, you know, maybe for for a couple months next year. For an organization, uh, and um, I'm I hate to dog the Reds right now, but they're an easy target to dog. Um, uh, I I worry that they push him ahead to AAA. I think if uh, if this was a better run minor league organization, I think he'd be in Double A no matter what next year. Um, I think he would have. I think they were proper to to call him up. Um. But again, like I, I didn't see one moment where he looked really good on a breaking pitch, or any off speed. Mm. Which is, yeah, I mean that's uh, it's great to know. I mean that's that's why I don't have him. You know, from just a power speed standpoint, he's probably the best prospect in baseball. But I don't yes. have him as the top prospect in baseball um, for the reasons yeah. you kind of laid out. Same uh, here. All right, I'm going to head to a quick message from our sponsors, but then when we come back, I'm going to hear from Chris, who was the most underwhelming hitting prospect he saw this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Rare MLB is an NFT-based, free-to-play baseball game played with officially licensed Major League Baseball cards. Sign up today at SoRare.com slash MLB and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven-player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real-life player performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit SoRare.com slash MLB. There's no better time to join so rare than ahead of their postseason gameplay. All right, Chris. So I, I teased that a little bit, uh, but you know, obviously, you're when you're going to see guys, you you obviously have heard about a lot of these guys. Was there was there a hitter that you saw this season where you had expectations and they kind of fell a little short of those? Uh, I had actually three guys. Uh, first one was. I saw Matt McClain early in the year and he looked like a completely different hitter, but they, they weren't throwing him high fastballs. That kid um, has not seen a fastball above his, uh, his waist that he wasn't willing to swing at. Uh, there's some very serious concerns there um, uh, with his uh, contact uh, percentage. Uh, I, I saw some uh, statistics that said that like his swinging strike rate was – Maybe above 35, 40%. That's 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 not good uh, on the fastball. No. So um so I'm curious. I, I probably have that data and probably can look it up and I haven't uh, I haven't yet, I just assume. Um uh, the guy that I saw multiple times this year that I liked last year that, that has kind of backed up for me is Jose Rodriguez of the White Sox. Mm. I thought he was uh I thought he'd be a solid, not a great middle infielder. Um, uh, there was a hitch that developed this year. Uh, I don't know if it got better or worse. I can't really explain that. Uh, the next time I saw him when Birmingham came through again, um, but it was, it was, it was different. I, I would say that, I would say that his hitch was different and it wasn't any better. Um, it's, it's a level of contact. And unfortunately I, I never have high expectations for White Sox, uh, prospects that weren't taken in the first five uh, picks of the draft and even then i mean nick magical hasn't really lived up to 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 the billing that i thought i mean we started seeing it this year with andrew Vaughn. Uh, you know both of them are still young but but even then like um i'll, I'll be honest like magical his contact ability was amazing to watch but uh, you know it never hit the ball hard in the minor leagues um and then the other guy, the third guy is Trey Sweeney. He was a guy that was on last year pretty heavily. I, I thought he was one of the best hitters that was in the draft. And uh, just, again, the swing kind of fell apart compared to – I got to see him in Florida last year. And, you know, uh, he was he was the most impressive um, prospect that I saw in Florida. Um, just kind of thought he was more ordinary, and I increased his projection. And this year I put it back to where it was before, um, which was, you know, the, a chance at an average uh, ceiling, uh, but more than likely kind of like a, you know, utility role type guy. Um, I, I I don't believe he's a shortstop. Um, I also don't know if he has the bat to really carry him at second base. Um, this is a guy that uh, kind of jumped off the, uh, um, because I think we're going to see a lot of things from that 2021 draft uh, uh, that I think guy, I think we all were, I'm not just saying teams were, but I think we all were desperate to find college bats mm -hmm. uh, because they just disappeared. Uh, like you look at that draft, they just disappeared. And I think we might've overvalued some guys 
like him and maybe undervalued some other guys. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like, he didn't look like a guy who was a first round pick the year before. He looked like somebody who was maybe third, fourth round when I saw him. Um, a guy with more question marks than certainty. And I think that might've, might've, uh, you know, increased my expectations, uh, maybe some. And of course my own first person looks last year did that as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the Yankees just take whoever the highest ranked left-handed college hitter is on their board pretty much every, every year. Yeah. Um, and that was Sweeney, apparently. Uh, yeah. with, with McLean, it's one of the most frustrating things for me. And, I mean, this is why scouting hit tools on amateurs is just such a impossible task. Uh, kind of always has been one of the hardest things to do. But uh, with McLean, like one of my least favorite things is when you have a, a guy who has an amateur, the hit tool is sort of the, the selling point. And then they get into pro ball and they start tapping into more power than they were supposed to. And then the hit tool just kind of disintegrates and, um, or maybe just the, the scouting report was just wrong on them as an amateur. And maybe they uh, didn't have as good a hit tool as people thought and had more power than people thought. But I, I was sort of hoping, like, I loved the idea of McLean being this guy who's going to hit for a high average and surprise people with how much power he was able to get to. Uh, but then he just got to all the power right away. And now I'm just kind of like, what, what is he? Yeah. I, I, again, it was, it was a guy that, you know, he was drafted in the first round in 2018 by the D backs is kind of, you know, a hard to sign guy out of UCLA. And I, again, really, you know, I think that everything kind of made sense. I'm sorry, a bum just uh, just pissed right behind my car. Um, that's a new one. I've never done a podcast where I caught that out of the corner of my eye. But, yep, uh, um, we don't have a homeless problem. I, I we really don't, but, like, that just happened. So, anyway, um, McLean, um, like, the, the level of lostness, and I think it's more – related to him trying to hit trying to get to power because that was the that was the little caveat that was really hit hurting him and so his swing is not as linear as it was before and so um you know he has no flexibility with his bat to get up in the zone uh, i don't think it's a breaking pitch issue i i think it has a lot to do that people overpower him and he's really short like He's mm-hmm. like five foot eight, five foot nine, maybe. I know he's probably listed at five eleven, but like next to De La Cruz, it looks like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never got a good photo of that, unfortunately. Um, but like it was, it was. Um, he he his his striking zone awareness on that fastball is as if he was six foot three, that he could get to some of these guys, um, um, things that he swings at. I'm very interested to see how he adjusts. Um, I, th- I don't know who his hitting coach will be in the fall league, but it will be nice to maybe get a different uh, point of view um, uh, into his ear. Um, Cause that's sometimes, I mean, that's a rare thing that happens at the fall league. Most of the hitting coaches there are just trying not to screw up, screw guys up. Um, I'm sure the reds are going to send them with instructions, uh, send McLean with instructions uh, to work on certain things. But like, if it was me, I would definitely have him, um, you know, um, try to go back to the swing that made him successful in, in college. Yeah, it's like the like other guys that kind of come to mind, like this, uh, you know, like Nick Gonzalez and like Keston Hira, where it's just you, you sort of are dreaming on this plus hit tool as an as an amateur. And maybe those guys like McLean sort of hear, oh, he can't hit for power. And they're like, I'll, I'll show people I can hit for power. But it's that's not the order of, of yeah. development that I want to see. I want to see, you know, establish that hit tool. It's not like these guys are going to be Nick Madrigal. Like the power can come. Just, you know, don't be so impatient to, to get to it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I know you kind of had an unfortunate year in terms of uh, pitching prospects you saw. You were telling me about that. Um, 
so why don't why don't you just kind of give me like a, a couple of your favorites uh if if you have a couple <laughs> couple wow that's that's hard man uh i i will throw in uh mason montgomery of the the rays organization uh left-hander um not an overpowering guy a guy that hides the ball really well um very consistent with uh um with his four seam fastball will cut the ball sometimes uh uh, like he was just uh, impressive at the amount of swings and misses he got and which continued when he got to double a. So that was good to see. Uh, he, um, again, you're, you're, you're watching some guy that, you know, back in the day, we might not have had, and I say in the day, I'm saying like five, six years ago, uh, I don't think he would be as revered of a prospect. Uh, but now we, you know, we've got scientific proof that certain, certain slots work. Uh, it kind of reminded me of a left-handed version of Joe Ryan, maybe, uh, where he hides the ball so much in his wrist uh, and flicks it at the end that it's just hard to it's hard for hitters to catch up to, hard for them to read. And that that was one thing that when Ryan was coming up, I remember Baseball America had an interview with Trevor Larnich talking about how he could not he could not read them. Like it, it was very hard to to know when the pitch was coming out and. You see a guy with like Joe Ryan who doesn't necessarily have premium stuff at all. Um, and he succeeds because of this deception uh, with the way he delivers the ball out of his wrist. I think that the same thing you could say about Montgomery too. I mean, uh, the fastball, like I think topped out at 91 when I saw him. Um, and it, it was mostly 89, 90 and was, got on hitter so quickly because it, it was so late in the progression where he delivered it uh, good extension, but like it was mostly because he just hid the ball in his, in his wrist really. And I assume the change up plays quite well. Oh, change up plays well too, of course. Yeah. that yeah. It's uh, funny. You, Cause I, I mean, Joe Ryan obviously was a raised prospect. Um, yeah, they, you know, the Rays, everyone always is quick to just be like, oh, if the, the Rays traded him, there must be something wrong. Or if the Rays traded for him, like they're going to turn him into a star. I mean, the Rays gave Joe Ryan's entire uh, first six and a half years away for two months of washed up Nelson Cruz, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the Rays aren't afraid to make take chances on guys. And, uh, you know, I think also guys get overrated in their organization as well. That was somebody that wasn't or, uh, overrated. Um, when you go and watch a Rays uh, farm system, and I got to see five games total this year, two games with the Biscuits and uh, their Montgomery team, which is double A, and three games with high A. Uh, you get all kinds of shapes and sizes with their pitching too. And it's not this cookie cutter BS that you get with all these other teams that are trying to make every pitcher look the same. Um, you know, that the, if, if I had anything to say about Atlanta that was negative about their pitching development, which is phenomenal, by the way, is that almost every guy looks like the same fastball out of their hand. Um, you know, that nice little four, four seamer that rides and, uh, you know, maybe get some tail out of the zone type deal. Um, the, the Rays have everybody have one of everything. And when I say one of everything, uh, if, if you need a guy that's six foot seven, they'll have that six foot seven guy that's thrown from a, like a low three quarters. Um, mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll get everything. I, there was a kid and, um, uh, caution people when I say this, because I, I'm, uh, I'm totally fond of this kid for other reasons. I, 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 um, as a bird dog, I identified him as a future draft pick uh, with the organization that I helped out before he was, you know, anybody else in that organization knew about him. Uh, I, didn't, I don't work for the Rays, so I don't get a good signing bonus for that. Um, but uh, Logan Workman, who's a right-hander, who were, uh, was in low A and high A this year, uh, you know, uh, has a very unusual delivery for this this day and age has a very jerky leg lift and all that kind of stuff. Another guy, they even acquired somebody like, I didn't think Cole Wilcox hand, you know, fit their MO of guys. They're, they're not big, heavy two seam uh, organization, but they, uh, another guy with a very jerky leg lift and stuff, but they, they've brought him on. Um, it, it's just a collection there. Uh, Patrick Wicklander is another pitcher I saw this year for them. Uh, John Docks is whatever his name is. I, I never know what his name is. Uh, he's kind of fallen. Yeah, he's kind of fallen 
fallen on uh, harder times. Uh, uh, you know, maybe not a major league quality arm, but a guy that could get a look and could find reliever innings because it's an unusual release point. Um, I mean, that's what they do better than anybody is they find, uh, you know, find guys, find arms in places that you don't normally find them. I mean, Joe Ryan was, was a water polo player. Um, and that's why he's able to do what he does. Um, uh, a guy like, uh, Logan Workman was taken out of Lee university as a seventh rounder. Um, and I'll tell you, I went to Lee university to watch a different kid who got drafted actually. Um, and like, that kid Workman was a freshman and he was much more impressive than another kid. Um, and he fastball curveball has developed a change up this year. Um, you know, I kind of see him more as a reliever. I don't think he's really a fantasy relevant prospect, but somebody, somebody that they've, you know, they found as a seventh rounder. I mean, that's, it's amazing how their machine works. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's partly by design just getting, cause if you go opener, primary pitcher, reliever and all three guys give the hitters just a completely different look mm-hmm. that, that's advantageous right so I, mean, I think it's yeah. i think it's by design to just have all these different pitchers you can put in different bins and then you mix and match to to make sure that um hitters aren't saying seeing the same thing um uh, multiple times um all right let's uh let's kind of wrap it up and, and sort of preview uh the afl quickly here uh before i yeah. let you go uh which are there any players that stand out that you're just really excited to get eyes on for the first time? Uh, I actually picked one from each team: Novi Marte from the Reds uh, on Glendale, uh, Will Bedner from the Giants on Scottsdale, Jose uh, Salas on Miami from Mesa's uh, roster. Uh, Salt Rivers loaded; it was loaded last year. It had Torkelson and Beatty, and a few other guys too. I think I think that that, that was where. Uh, Tovar was too. Like that was a dynamic roster. Uh, this year, Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler, uh, Mason Wynn. I'm leaving some guys out there. It's a phenomenal roster. Um, uh, Kumar Rocker, a guy that I saw uh, against Cole Wilcox in 2018 in a Georgia State playoff game. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I hope he throws. I hope he's in fall stars. I really do. If there's anybody that I'm hopeful to see during this trip, it's Kumar Rocker. Um, and then Jackson Merrill was a guy that, like, um, a lot of my contacts is uh, in that region of the country in the, um, in the uh, mid-Atlantic was really hot, right? That was where he was from. Um, whatever, whatever region he was from, a lot of my contacts were high on him. Um, and he's a kid that I, I don't really know much about. So I'd like to see him. That's, that's the best thing about AFL is that we get to get to learn about so many different things. Yeah. I mean, the, that, uh, Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler duo, um, I have them back to back in my rankings. So I just, I, you know, I, I could easily be swayed, um, uh, because I, I've like, got you know, I've got like Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson to me are are kind of a cut above, but then there's this kind of clump of just extremely exciting young position players that Agreed. I just think are all just so great. I don't really, I don't know how to, how to order them. So, um, you know, I could, I could easily see myself being swayed by something I see out there on, uh, on the two Jordans. Um, and then just for, for, uh, you know, people that might be going to first pitch Arizona for the first time, uh, what what are they what are they in store for here, uh, Chris? Because I know you and I have been going for a while. You've been probably going yeah. longer than I have. Uh, I I've I think this is my first one was 2016, um, and I've been to every one since. I have been to one of the well the only live Florida event that they had in the in the um, in the springtime a few years ago, right before the pandemic, actually. I saw Jordan Walker at Decatur High School like two weeks before I went to that. And it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, but anyway, um, it, it's a great week. Um, you get every top, like almost the whole fantasy community. As uh, Jeff Ponce told me a few years ago, he's like, Baseball HQ is the, the place that's actually bringing people together. Um, and yes, it's a money-making um probably thing for Gannett media and all that good stuff. Uh, but we're bringing people together. Um, we're bringing uh, all these analysts together. Um, 
people from Rotowire like James and Clay and uh, Erickson, like uh, you're getting those people, but you're getting people from all of the different places and you can ask them questions. You can do a draft with them. You could do so many different things. Uh, you could play poker with them. Uh, I I never play poker with fantasy people because like they they're they're like right up there. Um, uh, they've got all the odds and stuff. It's hard to like pull the sheets uh, under them. But they have like these these poker games that go for hours. But like the 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 level of uh, like you you get all of this information, and if you're in let's say this very niche league. Uh, there's somebody there that's in that's going to be talking about that league, or you could at least ask questions about that league. Um, I think that's the greatest thing about this whole thing is it's such a free environment where um, you know everybody is extremely friendly, willing to impart their their knowledge. Um, you know, coming from all kinds of uh, different. Um, fantasy backgrounds. Uh, we've got a lot of, for those prospect people, since this is a prospect podcast, we got a lot of great uh, prospect people to be there. James is actually going to be on one of the panels that I'm going to host, I think, uh, or moderate, which is on uh, the rookie draft, which we haven't really even announced yet. So I might get in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> but, but, but like we have a prospect Q and a, we bring in, uh, we sometimes bring in scouts. Like there's scouts that are around um, that, you know, come and play poker because they've been longtime, uh, you know, attendees to this and maybe they don't attend anymore. But like, it's it's just awesome to rub shoulders with so many different people. Um, I always love listen, like, uh, I, I barely ever talk to Todd Zola, but I'm always listening to him. Does that make sense? Like, I, I go and I give my greetings and stuff and then I just kind of sit there for like 45 minutes and listen to him talk about how he strategized the season or Derek Cardi or Eno. Like there's so many different people that, that, um, that are there and that are so accommodating. And like, it's just, it's just a fantastic environment. Um, we're running a special still um, until I think Friday. Uh, so if you're on the fence about this event, um, I would suggest going to our site and there, there's room available still on our rate. Uh, get, get that all done. Um, uh, again, like it, it's phenomenal. Uh, and the best part really is the weather. Uh, if you're a Northeaster, uh, somebody in the Midwest, um, yeah, I mean, it's 80 degrees and there's no humidity and uh, there's baseball. There's going to like, it, if you attend, you'll get uh, several different events. You'll get at least three games during the thing. You'll get the home run derby. Uh, if you stay over Sunday, you'll get fall stars. Uh, if you come in early, you'll get two games on that Wednesday and maybe a game that Thursday morning. Like it's, it's, it's a great experience. And like, I, I get in Tuesday night and I just can't wait to get to the ballpark. Like, especially after this summer, like it was so sweltering here. Um, I, I just want to be in short sleeves and not be sweating the whole time, wishing I had no clothes on like that. That's going to be great. Yeah. You know, I think, I think 2016 might actually have been my first year too. And I, I remember uh, the, the first, it was like the Thursday night. There's always a game people go to on like the Thursday night. And uh, I remember like sitting like right next to like Eric Carabell and like Tristan Cockroft and being like, oh man, this is cool. Like I've been reading these guys for, for like a decade. Uh, yeah. But I, but I didn't bring, I was just like, oh, Arizona uh, shorts, t-shirt, you know, Birkenstocks. That's all I'm going to need. And it was a night game and I was, freezing my ass off because it does get yes. a little cold on those those Arizona nights in the in the fall. So don't definitely bring a hoodie or, or something. Uh if you're if you're anyone other than Eric Cross, maybe bring a pair of jeans and um just for those evening <laughs> games. Uh but uh yeah, no, I mean I, I can't wait. I mean if you're if you're going, uh you see me, you see Chris, uh please just come up and and ask us anything. You know, I mean that's that's the whole point. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people there every year that I've been kind of corresponding with on Twitter all season and get to put a, a face with the, the Twitter handle and, and talk about prospects and stuff like that. So uh, please come out if, if you're thinking about it. It'll, it'll be a blast. You'll meet a lot of people with, with similar interests and stuff like that. So uh, really can't wait to get out there and, and talk to you in person, Chris. 
Um, yeah, same here. It's been too long, man. Yeah, no, it absolutely has, uh, 100%. Uh, why don't you tell people uh, what you got going on, uh, what, you, what you've been working on, and where they, can, where they can follow it? Well, we're actually working on putting together the, uh, Ron Chandler's Baseball Forecaster, so I've been doing a little bit of that, um, helping out with the, the rookie content there. Uh, so that comes out usually around Thanksgiving time. Uh, and if you do, uh, you know, go to the conference, uh, you get uh, both of our books um, sent to you with the with the registration fee. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I'm also working on minor league baseball analysts. So I'm like putting that together. And even though I, I, I also am working on my like I have my fantasy stuff, but I also have other stuff as well. Um, so I'm looking at working on my commutative list, uh, uh, which, you know, differs slightly from my fantasy list. Uh, of course, you know, I might have catchers ranked a little higher than I would in fantasy and that sort of thing. Um, and defense is a higher premium there. Like, uh, uh, sadly, I, I still had Christian Pache in my top 50 last year, uh, but he was like nowhere in my top 200 because I only go up to 200, James. Uh, but he was nowhere in my fantasy top 200. But like, uh, you know, a, a plus plus defender, a potential plus plus defender is worth to me at least three war for a team. So like, like I still had it. Like I didn't think he was going to be that bad of a hit. Oh my god! So like, it just got a lot of different things going on. Well, definitely follow Chris. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, and again, yeah, I'll be seeing you here in, uh, I don't know, about a month. Yep. Yep, man. Take care. Thank you for having me on. All right. Uh, we will be back with a final episode of the regular season on the Roadwire Prospect podcast next week.